You're listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled, Late-Breaking Data in Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis, is part of the Conference to Clinic series and is provided by MedIQ and supported by an educational grant from Pfizer. To access additional activity details and earn CME credit, please visit reachmd.com CME. The presenter in this activity may reference unlabeled or unapproved off-label drug uses or products. Disclosures for Dr. Eichenfield are as follows. Dr. Eichenfield serves as a consultant or is on advisory boards for Almerol, Asana, Cutanea, Dermavan, DS Biopharma, Forte, Galderma Laboratories LP, Glenmark, Insight Corporation, Elio Pharma Incorporated, Lilly USA, LLC, L'Oreal, Matrices Bioscience, Metametrics, Otska America Pharmaceutical Incorporated, Morphosis, Novan, Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation, Orthodermatologics, Valiant Pharmaceuticals International Incorporated, Pfizer Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Sanofi Genzyme. Dr. Eichenfield serves as an investigator for AbbVie Incorporated, Elio Pharma Incorporated, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, and Sanofi Genzyme. Since atopic dermatitis affects millions of adults and children alike, this chronic inflammatory skin condition has been the focus of much research. And now that new clinical trial data has been published, how will these findings impact the way we manage our patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis? This is CME on ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudle. And here with me to review late-breaking data in the field of moderate to severe atopic dermatitis is Dr. Lawrence Eichenfield. Dr. Eichenfield is a professor of dermatology and pediatrics, vice chair of the Department of Dermatology, and chief of pediatric and adolescent dermatology at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. Dr. Eichenfield, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. My pleasure to be here. To start us off, Dr. Eichenfield, what are the current challenges in moderate to severe atopic dermatitis, and why is there a need for novel targeted treatments, specifically systemic therapies? Well, first of all, moderate to severe atopic dermatitis is very common because atopic dermatitis is very common. We have a higher prevalence than we did decades ago. And while a lot of people project because atopic dermatitis is a disease that starts in young children and traditionally people were told that their child would outgrow it, they don't recognize that there's just more atopic dermatitis that persists and more atopic dermatitis that's moderate to severe. So one of the first challenges is recognizing that there's this big set of patients who could use better therapy. And then the other thing is that we're in this relatively early stage in revolution in therapy for systemic therapy. So while there are some exciting new topical agents, the focus today is on, on newer systemic therapies. And the, the reason why we call this a revolution is partially to take a step back and where were we before we had newer agents? So, so we do have a the first targeted therapy that was approved in 2017, that's dupilumab, an IL-413 blocker. But before 2017, there wasn't a lot of use of systemic therapy for atopic dermatitis. The only approved drug in the United States was corticosteroids, which was used systemically either orally or, or by injections, IM injections, but were not really advised by expert panels to be used with sort of rescue therapy, but with lots of side effects and potential toxicities. 
Methotrexate and cyclosporine were also used, but not used a lot. Uh, they weren't approved in their significant side effects and toxicities. So we then had the introduction of dupilumab, uh, initially in adults only, then in adolescents recently in uh, children as well. Now we're excited as well that we're getting expansion of both newer biological, but also non-biological, we call small molecule agents that uh, including uh, JAK inhibitors, uh, giving us another set of uh, agents that can really help us to control the disease. Our consideration now from a patient perspective and a practitioner perspective is that we have a need for these systemic therapies because the disease can have such significant impact on the individual. The quality of life impact on atopic dermatitis is really tremendous. Patients have many comorbidities, the traditional atopic comorbidities, which can include food allergy, allergic rhinoconjunctivitis, uh, asthma. There's higher rates of depression and anxiety. There's the physical aspect of rashes and itch, and itch causing a lot of a sleep disturbance. All of this, which, which tremendously impacts the individual, it impacts on school performance and work performance across the ages. So we have this set of individuals who could use better therapy to minimize the impact of their disease. And I'm excited that we have these new drugs that are being developed that can help us to control them better. So what are the inflammatory pathways that are informing the clinical development of the new agents that are currently in late stage development? Uh, well, uh, really good question. So there's, there's a variety of inflammatory mediators that are important in atopic dermatitis. And, and this is partially our perspective is, I have to say, I take an empiric approach. We sort of figure we know which inflammatory mediators are important, but you really know when someone develops a drug that blocks them and then the drug works. We know that, uh, that IL-4 and IL-13 are important TH2 cytokines, and we also know that IL-4 and IL-13 are, are pathways that could be targeted for therapy. I already mentioned dupilumab and IL-4 and 13 blocker, uh, but we also have two agents that are specific IL-13 blockers without blocking the IL-4 pathway that are also well along the way of study for atopic dermatitis. IL-22 uh, is also a cytokine a pathway that can be important. And IL-31 is an important pathway as well. IL-31 is considered the itch cytokine, and we have a biologic agent that targets that as well. And then another part of the inflammatory cascade that appears very important in atopic dermatitis is the, the JAK-STAT pathway. And these pathways are very important in mediating inflammatory diseases. And, and these are definitely pathways that are being explored. There is a, a set of JAK inhibitors, some of them selectively different in terms of how they impact that JAK-STAT pathway. You know, there is JAK-123 and a type 2 that mediate these inflammations. And we have these different drugs that are being developed. But all these together are, are specific targets. For those of you who are just joining us, this is CME on ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Lawrence Eichenfield about the new data in moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. So Dr. Eichenfield, earlier you spoke a bit about the challenges in managing moderate to severe atopic dermatitis and the inflammatory pathways that are informing the clinical development of new agents. So now let's take a look at those new agents. What are the recent clinical trial data for targeted agents in late stage development? Okay, there's a lot of data has come out in the last few months. So I'm going to try to 
emphasize the main points, but go through a lot of data really quickly. So first of all, dupilumab, big clinical update for that is that it's now approved from six to 11 years of age based upon uh, data sets that, that have been presented and now published by Amy Paller et al. of a recent publication in the JED. These patients did very well. They're on two different dosing regimens, one in a Q4 week, one in a Q2 week uh, regimen. Their uh, results look quite good, if anything, a little better, getting almost 70% of patients getting 75% better, that we call the easy 75, a little better than the adults and way better than the adolescents in these clinical studies. The safety in these younger kids seem to be the same, conjunctivitis, injection site reactions, no other worrisome abnormalities. So with this drug, there's no laboratory uh, a baseline work that needs to be done and no laboratory monitoring that's necessary. Do be aware that if you're prescribing, though, in, this, in the 6 to 11 age group, you have to be more careful that patients are up to date with their live vaccines because live vaccines aren't supposed to be used. They haven't been studied specifically, but, that, um, but they're not supposed to be used with dupilumab. There's also been some longer term data sets in terms of the adults. So with extra years of experience, we look to see if there are emergent new safety signals, none so far, which is great information. Let's move over to new phase three data on JAK inhibitors. So abracitinib uh, phase three trials have been completed, published in, in uh, JAMA by Silverberg et al. This is a drug that's specifically designed for atopic dermatitis. They had really robust outcome uh, measures. The EC75 was uh, 61% with a dose of uh, 200 milligrams, only 10% in the, in the placebo group. Itch, the, there was a rapid decrease in itch within 24 hours of treatment initiation. Now, there were some uh, immersion adverse events, nausea, nasopharyngitis, and headache at some of the higher doses, but impressive clinical results. Baricitinib, we've also seen data on that, a published in British Journal of Derm and presented recently. This is a drug that's approved for rheumatoid arthritis. Their clearance rates were a little bit lower than some of the other JAKs, uh, with there's four milligram and two milligram dosing that's been studied elsewhere than in the U.S. The higher dose will probably not be approved in the U.S., at least that's my sense, because they were not allowed to study it. Little nasopharyngitis in the headache seen in the population in Europe. Again, they were allowed to study the four milligram dose for atopic dermatitis in the U.S., one and two milligram dose. But this is a drug that has experience, but it's approved in rheumatoid arthritis. They've had some very nice data also presented on impact on work performance and some of the uh, patient-reported outcomes with patients definitely sensing that it was very helpful for their disease state. Eupinacitinib is another uh, JAK inhibitor that showed very potent results in Emma Kutmanyeski's uh, data sets that have been uh, presented. This is a drug that's dosed 7.5, 15, and 30 milligrams, and they had uh, efficacy endpoints of being clear and almost clear up into the 62 to almost 75% of the population are treated in these uh, clinical studies. Side effect profile, upper respiratory tract infections, some individual and unusual acne that may be seen with some JAK inhibitors as well. So really, uh, these three drugs are well along the way in their studies. We will see what happens with uh, how the FDA approaches them, seeing what the label will be. These are drugs that almost certainly will require of blood uh, monitoring, but they're also oral agents uh, and uh, will have some uh, and show some very nice efficacy. So we're really excited to take a look at them.
Wow, that's great, Dr. Eichenfield. Um, are there any other agents in late-stage development that you can tell us about? Certainly. Um, I mentioned before that there are IL-13 agents, which are different than IL-4 and 13. So one of them is trelokinumab. This is a specific IL-13 agent. They just presented their phase three studies in what were called the, the extra studies, extra one, two, and three. One and two was a placebo control, showed about 16 to 22% of patients making it to clear, almost clear, versus 7% in the placebo group. They did better concurrent with their topical corticosteroids as well. Very nice safety data, some nasopharyngitis, but nothing that stood out. Labricizumab is another IL-13 drug just starting their phase three studies now. In their phase twos, they showed very nice itch relief as well as breast clinical response, also seeming low rates of treatment immersion adverse events. There was a question early on about whether these IL-13 agents wouldn't have conjunctivitis associated with them, something that's occasionally seen with lupilumab. I think they both have had conjunctivitis rates that are higher than in placebo, maybe at a lower rate than dupilumab, we'll see. And then nemolizumab is the IL-31 blocker, which again is targeting the itch cytokine. Just had a New England Journal of Medicine paper with Kabashimi et al., really nice clinical data. This is, again, this is a targeting itch with secondary target for inflammation. Uh, we'll look forward to more data on these other biologics as we move forward. Well, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. Uh, but before we close, Dr. Eichenfield, what are some key takeaways that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think the biggest takeaway is that there is tremendous evolution, and I'd say revolution in, in treatment. So our job, as we get the new data, is to say, where does this data fit for my patients? Who are the patients who can benefit for these different drugs? How do I choose one drug as compared to the other? Right now, there's just a huge amount of data coming. Uh, this will probably translate into approvals of multiple drugs. So I think people have to keep their ear to the ground or listen, to, listen and read as new material comes out. And then uh, I think the biggest thing is right now, we should bring forward to our patients the promise that we can do a lot better than what we could have done a few years ago before we had this real revolution in systemic therapy for our patients with moderate to severe disease. Well, those are excellent takeaways in mind. And I'd really like to thank my guest, Dr. Lawrence Eichenfield, for joining me to review the latest data on moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. Dr. Eichenfield, it was great having you with us. Thank you so much. Happy to be part of this. This activity was part of the Conference to Clinic series and was provided by MedIQ. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.